0: Today I'm thrilled to welcome Michael Lindner from Twenty Eight North. Michael was the vocalist and a guitarist with the band. First off, man, thanks for your time and welcome to the Unsung Melody family.
1: Good to be here, man. Thank you for your time.
0: Anytime, anytime. Well, I've heard the album. I love the album. So let's let's just, let's let's dig into that a little bit. We'll we'll start by discussing your roots. Uh, the band is originally from Pittsburgh, I believe it is. Uh, you well, know.
1: Uh, the the band started in pittsburgh we were a pittsburgh band for quite some time and then we uh but over the years we've uh adapted three members from cleveland and mm-hmm. uh so uh, three of the guys from cleveland i'm from pittsburgh but yeah gotcha. i guess you could say we're a pittsburgh band i mean 28 north is a pittsburgh thing so we're okay. certainly a pittsburgh band but the personnel has been changed to ohio
0: <laughs> <laughs> i would you've now since relocated to los angeles right
1: yeah, we've been there for about three years. Mm-hmm.
0: Was was that a move that uh, was something that just you needed change, or was that simply a business move for you guys? It was simply a business move. I mean, I mean, I guess you could say both. I mean, we needed a change in business. You know,
1: we uh, we'd been touring all over the U.S. And, you know, we didn't have a booking agent, we didn't have much going on, but you know, we we had our music, you know, which was special enough for us to continue.
0: And um, right.
1: you know, one day I. Uh, myself on vacation with my family and we were down in miami and i met a guy named jerry heller who ended up uh you know he's a very very uh famous manager he managed you know otis redding and van morrison and you know he was elton john and pink floyd's agent and you know he's just been i mean just to name a few things right, right. and he basically listened to the we were living in brooklyn before that he listened to the record we made there and he loved it and he uh He said, hey, why don't you move to L.A.? We'll make another record, and we'll make a push of this thing. And that's kind of what we did. So we moved out to L.A., uh, four of us, and we lived in our tour bus for a long time, and a lot went on. You know, uh, we lost a a member. We we had a record deal. We had a, you know, you name it, it happened. It was a crazy ride. But now, you know, you know, it's really starting to pay off with, the, with this new record. Without a doubt, it's been—it's you know—we've we've only released one single, and it's uh, it's climbing its way up the charts every week. and It's really awesome.
0: Well, you you mentioned climbing up this the the chart. Call me up is currently a radio. Um, how is it currently doing for you guys? And has it opened any unexpected doors so far?
1: Well, I think it's at number sixty-five. If I'm not mistaken, it's somewhere in the sixty to sixty-nine range on the. Mm-hmm. Triple A charts, which is pretty exciting because Triple A hosts, in my opinion, the best music. Bruce Springsteen, Coldplay, Radiohead, you know, guys mm-hmm. like guys I look up to are amazing. So the beach, you know, whenever we see that we're getting added with like bands like Imagine Dragons and, and and bands that I just love, it's so cool. So it's like you know, we're really excited to be in that grouping of music, you know. So, but yeah, it's, it's it, it cracked the top seventy, which is huge, and you know showing those signs of slowing down which is also huge and uh has it opened doors absolutely um <laughs> i can't even tell you every week it's, it's something different it's in the, well you know we got a booking agent now or it's like uh you know a new gig or you know we get offers for shows and it's not like me having to seek them out it's like people are coming to us right. we want you we want you to play here not hey can we play here you know what i mean yeah, so absolutely. it's really uh really a beautiful change and, and more fans too we're, we're you know our facebook numbers our twitter numbers everything you know instagram all that stuff every day you know we get new people added like you know i think i think we had 170 people added in the last 3 days which is pretty exciting you know? absolutely so, absolutely and you know it might not sound like a lot but when you've been doing this as long as we have and you see how sometimes things can crawl they can just crawl Mm-hmm. To, see num- to see things like that. It's like really, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing.
0: Right. It gives you encouragement. It adds fuel to your fire. I know exactly where. Well, you're it's like thing. if somebody
1: likes what you do, you feel good about it. It's just Excellent. like anything else, you know. If you're a chef, and somebody likes your pasta. You are going to keep doing it. And if you know you're a musician, and somebody likes your song, you gotta keep doing it. And that's kind of <laughs> where we what we've been doing. So awesome. Great. Awesome.
0: All right, well, well, I mentioned uh, Los Angeles is home now, and and since baseball's opening day happened just a few days ago, I thought I'd throw out a description of L.A. that I kind of found appropriate and see what your thoughts were. And I've always heard Los Angeles has been referred to as kind of the triple-A affiliate for the big leagues of the music world. Would you kind of agree with that?
1: You mean like the the ballplayers there, are going to go to the majors.
0: Right. It's kind of, it's kind of the last stop before the send off. I think
1: think that I would having, you know, spent a lot of time in Nashville, Austin, Chicago, New York, living in New York and and Philly, like we were a studio band in Philly and having, you know, really experienced all these cities, like really experienced them, not just been there, but, you know, really got to know them. I think LA is definitely, uh, it's a hub for, for so much greatness and, you know, if you can do it, if you can make it there, and people say if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. And I think that's true. But if you can make it in L.A., you're going to make it everywhere. And I think that, you know, our last show at the Viper Room was sold out. You know, we've sold the Rocky House of Blues, done very well there. So it's like, you know, we knew when we moved there, you know, hey, we're, we, could, we could end up being... the the, the, the big fish, or what? what do you, what's the thing? The small fish in the big pond, or whatever. Mm-hmm. It really didn't change who we were, and when we got out there, we didn't change at all. And people responded, so it wasn't like that big of a deal. When we moved to LA, it wasn't that different than being in Pittsburgh. We were just like, okay, we're gonna do what we do. We're just gonna do it clo- like with more sunshine, and we're gonna do it <laughs> with more industry people around. And and so the so like I think what you said. It, the reason it applies is because that's where most of the people who make decisions in the industry are. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's any more music lovers there than in Chicago or Philly or Boston or anywhere, or, you know, the South. I mean, I think people love music equally, if not more. It's more about the music in a lot of other cities where it's it's very much about the, the whole package in L.A. Like, the, the you know, the the look, the, the history, the manager, the label. Like, what do you have going on? And that's kind of... It's easier to get people interested through that than Mm -hmm. through strictly your music. Where I think in other parts of the country, music is first, which is the way I like it. But, you know, that's just the reality of L.A. It's it's a hard
0: town. There's more movers and shakers, you might say. Yeah. All right, all right. Well, for me, if I'm totally honest with you, I hear more California in your sound now than I do Pennsylvania or Ohio. Was there kind of okay. a shift? <laughs> was there kind of a shift in the band's sound when you shifted? Absolutely,
1: mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, we've been working with uh, a very legendary producer named Gavin McKillop. who Gavin was responsible for a lot of like Echo and the Bunnymen, and he did he did the Church, and he did uh, you know Toad the Wet Sprocket and the Goo Goo Dolls, and he also did like you know, Kitten and MXPX and Sugar Cult. So he's been around for a while doing what he does, but he still has such a youthful ear. Mm-hmm. He's got young kids, he's young at heart, and he's just very, very in tune with what's 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 happening today. And I think that before, when we were making records in Pittsburgh and even in New York, it was more like um, we were just doing what we wanted and we we were doing what we figured the fans would want, and that was great, but... Gavin kind of brought this whole, well, hey, why don't you try stepping it up to the big leagues a little bit? And, you know, we wanted to go sonically a little more what we were hearing. And, and mm-hmm. so we could kind of sit with our competitors and be like, well, these are our songs sounding this way. And and it didn't, it, and it ended up shaping our sound so much because you can see us live. The album dictated the sound so much, the live sound. I mean, right. a, you know, we, we really loved the album. And so instead of like, just making an album to make it sound as good as it can, if that makes sense. Then you know we're trying to see how we can make our album and then have it relate to our live shows. So you know when you come see it, it's going to be a high energy show. This is energy record. Now, meanwhile, we still have our roots, man. If you come see us live, on we're gonna play. We might close with a 13 minute jam. You know we might close with like a, a a Who song. You know we we grew up in the bars. We grew up playing bars, and it's like that will never leave us. So it's fun. The bigger the the venue, it's like hey man. I've played to five people in Albany, New York and uh had a time of my life. So you give me you give me fi- you give me five hundred people, <laughs> I'm gonna play that much better. You know, yeah. we know how we've been on all sides of the record on, on all sides of the of the of the touring band thing. You know, we've played stadiums, mm-hmm. we've played outdoor arenas, we've played festivals, but we've also played the diviest of the dive and that's part of our sound, you know, that's part of what we do. That's twenty eight north. Yeah. You know, it's kind of uh that's where the, you know, the blue-collar thing comes in. and But I'm glad it sounds L.A. I think a lot of the best records I've ever listened to were made in L.A., you mm-hmm. know? Absolutely. Somehow. Absolutely. And I think that it's proven that it's doing well because this is our first record that's done well, that's mm-hmm. done as well as it's doing, and it's really cool.
0: Well, I think the, the I think you're well on your way, man. I, I fell in love with the album. Uh, and that's I thought, awesome, man. Thank you. It, absolutely. If I'm perfectly honest, and and I always try to be, um, <laughs> looking at the album as a whole, I think the honesty that comes in the track titled "Los Angeles" makes it my personal favorite. Tell me a little bit All about. That. Tell me a little bit about the mindset of you and the band itself when that song, in particular, was written. What what ashes did that song rise from?
1: Well it's funny cuz it took me a couple months to finish it actually cuz mm-hmm. I had that one that got away in the getaway car line which you know I thought was a pretty cool line it wasn't my favorite line but I thought that if I could build upon that because I had a girl that I would written all these songs about that right when I moved to LA mm-hmm. we decided to to move on and I knew it would be I knew it was going to be a hard thing to deal with but I dealt with it and I you know wrote about it and then it's funny cause each line of that song has its own meaning. Like, um, if I just pick one, for example, uh, you know, I moved to California in my 25th year with nothing, but my brother's in a van full of gear. You know, that's mm-hmm. what we did. It was just, that's literally what we did. And it was just kind of like an autobiography. And once I saw where the song was going, I decided to make it even more autobi- uh, autobiographical. So, mm-hmm. you know, And then, you know, with the, uh, The sanity is a luxury not all could obtain. As I was running from my past, we all went insane. It was um, we had a little bit of mental uh, strife there for a while. You know, Mm -hmm. living out in in the middle of nowhere. It was, you know, sure we chose to do that, but at times it felt like we it felt like the universe or something had forced us into it. Or like, what else are we gonna do? We have to do this. Sure, it's it's lonely or whatever. you know it it was hard and and so it came out in that song and it's really cool cuz a lot of people are re- responding to it and mm-hmm. uh a couple of radio stations actually added it and uh it's just really about you know it's funny when i meet people who want to like get into the band or whatever i'm like well if you want to know who i am here listen to this <laughs> one i send that. this really just exactly what happens you know it's a numbers game you know this is you know we got into the music business when it was all about MySpace hits and Facebook numbers and Twitter followers and mm-hmm. you know it, it's like it, it's like and it's not that I had no peace because we definitely you know we had some people actually no it was it was always a struggle it was always a hustle right and, and every time we thought things were going to go one way they went another way and then all of a sudden you know we got this team of people together and they started killing the record and it's been it's been wonderful it's like all worth it mm-hmm
0: well, I, even I, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Man. That's it. No, I, I was just going to say the 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 honesty shines in that song, and I, and I think that's why you're seeing the success of that. So so maybe you stumbled upon the secret of of just how open you need to be and have to be. You know that that's, well, isn't that's it's awesome.
1: important in, in any field. Isn't it always those that are themselves are the best? It's like when you try to be somebody else, that's when you fail. Right. Or when you try to appease other people, just whether it's lyrically or musically or sonically, like, oh, we're going to throw some dubstep in here. Well, we're not going to do that. You know, sure, mm-hmm. we might expand it down the line with some different things, but, you know, if you stay true to yourself for long enough, you're going to develop your own style, and mm-hmm. then you can move on from there, and I think that that's kind of where we're at.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, now, I want to discuss something now. it's It's continuing with your sound, and you guys possess something that's kind of a dying art, and that's just harmonies. Uh, I can hear a lot of classic rock uh, influences like the Eagles, uh, even the Little River oh. Bay and some Night Ranger maybe at times. Uh, when, where, and kind of at what point did you guys figure out that the harmonies were going to be such a crucial element of who you guys are?
1: Well, that's a great question, and I'm glad you asked that because when the band started, um, you know, we all lived together in this house. This, I mean, this house was... First of all, it was haunted. Second of all, it was the last house on the block. Mm -hmm. It was falling off the hill. I mean, this thing was, it was just, you know, heat, no air conditioning, you know, just one of those places, right? It was very cheap. We got it for like 300 bucks a month between four of us. And every night, you know, we'd spend all night, all day. We were school bus drivers. We'd do that. We'd come back. We'd play music. And then before we went to bed, we'd we'd put on the last waltz and we'd watch the band, and and we listen to the band, and then we get in our cars and we put on the last lost, and we listen to the band, and I think that we were all so influenced by their harmonies that it just became, oh, you're gonna sing that line, I'm singing this line, you know, and then <laughs> through time we learned how to, like Tyler and I in particular, we played so many parties, so many like you know barbecues, so many gigs, so many everything that we just decided to learn how to make our voices sound really good together and that's something we're really proud of and tyler and i in particular like i think harmony you know we were all music school students at first so we learned a lot about harmony and how to construct harmony and you know what works what doesn't when to put one in when to not you know mm-hmm. not to overdo it and all that you know you learn all these different traits you know through listening to guys like the eagles and and Free Skills and nash and And even country music these days has great harmony. And and I think that it's just like, and it's funny because, you know, growing up, my favorite music, my favorite albums, I mean, I had a lot, but one in particular was Dookie from Green Day. Mm -hmm. And if you remember, like, you know, a lot of people would say that was their first album in this generation. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've met the Dookie people. Mm-hmm. But the thing that struck me most, and the thing that like I remember feeling that warmth from that music gives you the most, was vocal harmonies. And I remember like listening to Aerosmith, like the '90s Aerosmith stuff. And the things that always jumped out at me and made me like need to listen over and over and over and over were the vo- not just the harmony, but the vocal harmony and the sound mm-hmm. of of two people singing in harmony. There's nothing better. So why not add that to a distorted guitar line? You know, mm-hmm. that's kind of where the you know it was always a very important part of the band and you know everyone has to sing everyone takes singing lessons and it's something we take pretty seriously
0: well i think you guys pull it off fantastically and if i if i throw something out there i think you guys could totally pull off one of my favorite songs that a lot of people may not know and that's lonesome loser by the little river band so there's my two cents worth for you guys <laughs> Lonesome Loser. Yep.
1: I will have to look it up. I don't know if I know
0: that song. Right. You'll you'll love the harmonies. So awesome! All right. <laughs> All right, well, I always try to end on a random question around here. It's kind of a tradition anymore. So I uh, I taught, I toyed with baseball a little bit earlier. So in keeping with that theme, let's kind of do a fantasy draft, except this time with musicians. Uh
1: okay.
0: li- living I, or I dead? Huh.
1: I, do that. I was just the, the pirate game. Actually, we wrote the Pirates song. Oh, really? <laughs> for the playoff run, yeah. If you Google "28 North Bucko Fever," you'll see it.
0: Awesome! I but, will um, definitely check so, that out. I have a I have a friend of mine that is a huge pirates fan, so I, I'll awesome. turn him on. I'll turn your band on to him through that song. So there we go. Awesome. <laughs> uh, what was your question? Uh, well, living or dead, outside of your bandmates, who's your first pick in that draft?
1: Okay. What instruments?
0: Anything you want, open field. Right. If I'm,
1: if I'm pu- okay, living or dead, If I'm putting a band together, here's who I'm gonna have, and I'm not gonna be in it.
0: I, I would. I would want to see this band. <laughs> you, you're gonna play uh, the triangle, I, right?
1: Yeah. No, I'm just gonna watch. Okay. <laughs> so on lead guitar, I'd have to put Jimi Hendrix. I know that's a stock answer, but to me, he's just to be able to see him play. Even that would be incredible. Right. On rhythm guitar, I'm gonna put James Hetfield from Metallica. Mm-hmm. Okay. Although I don't want him singing, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> Maybe not. Hard, that I don't man.
1: like his singing. Not that I don't. <laughs> back up, <laughs> above right hand, and nobody plays guitar like him. Right. On bass, I'm gonna have to go with John Entwistle from the Who, mm-hmm. and he's playing bass. On drums, John Bonham, Led Zeppelin. And on vocals, I would have to go with Freddie Mercury. Wouldn't that be a killer band?
0: You, I don't think you could top it.
1: And who's playing keyboards? On keyboards and maybe like background vocals, I'll put Greg Allman from the Allman
0: Brothers. Oh, Just Greg Allman. Let's just throw him out there. He's nobody, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: That's that's what I want to hear. I want to hear him sing backups and maybe like have a couple songs. And then, you know, our our female vocalist will be Aretha Franklin. And then the guy writing the songs will be Bob Dylan. And this will be the greatest band in the history of time. (laughs)
0: I can't argue with that point, man. That would be phenomenal, <laughs> definitely. You
1: just got me really excited. I like, <laughs> you know, I to go YouTube a bunch of John Entwistle videos.
0: Uh, well, that's good. You inspire me, and I inspire you. That's just how it works, man. We're all good on that. Oh, it works, man. Hell yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Michael, I, I I personally can't thank you enough for your time. Uh, I think anytime, man,
1: it was a pleasure.
0: I think your future is a bright one, so uh, slip on some shades, and I hope to meet up with you on the road real soon.
1: All right, sounds good, brother. Be good.